of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in to the program. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. If this is your first time listening, you go ahead, you hit subscribe on iTunes, and then fresh episodes pop into your feed every Friday with the, with the new episode. You don't have to go through the trouble of trying to search it out or anything. They'll just appear there. You can also find it on dancablepresents.com, which is the central location for all things Dan Cable Presents. Um, also, while you're at it, while you're hitting subscribe, a free way to support the podcast is uh, clicking the writer review. And you click the five stars. You give it five stars. You say a few nice words about the podcast. You say, hey, I, turned, I tuned in to the episode with Haley Johnson. It was fucking killer. And... Uh, Leaving those reviews and leaving those five-star ratings will help more people find the podcast. More strangers will stumble upon the podcast because those reviews and, and the five-star ratings boost it up into the top of those iTunes charts. And uh, it's, it's a big contribution to the sustainability of this show and, and just getting more exposure for the artists that come on as well. So do that you can also uh check out the dan cable presents youtube channel which features a bunch of in-studio performances live shows and a short doc that i made on a band called tribe mars uh, it's called move through you that is up there as well and i encourage you to check that out but i'm geeked i'm psyched i'm psyched for this episode man um this is one of those conversations that that very much uh filled me up and uh it, it was a true, true pleasure to get to hang out with Haley Johnson, who is on episode 123 of this thing, coming off um, my weekend over at Pickathon, which it was my second experience at Pickathon, second year in a row. Uh, I just want to say thank you to all the folks uh, that put on Pickathon, and and for those who invited me out again to do some really great interviews with bands uh we had a cool director down there this year and i got to interview a lot of a lot of cool peeps including uh built a spill which was um, a pretty pretty sweet interaction and and just a, a killer opportunity um i also got to talk to frazy ford I encourage you to check out her music. Frazy was uh, such a sweetheart, and I had such a great conversation with her. And uh, Josh Headley was great. Josh is going to be in Portland soon at the Doug Fur. I think like October 16th. Don't quote me on that date, but uh, just shout out to Pickathon. It's a, it's a crazy cool experience, and, and I just feel feel grateful to to get to be a part of it and uh i got to bring some friends down this year which which made it a very cool experience as well so um thank you again and i just encourage you all to to check out that festival and and look into it a little bit more i feel like a lot of people go go out to pickathon uh 
not knowing who a lot of the bands are and you kind of walk away from that experience discovering your new favorite bands and it's just this unreal setting this music festival in the in the middle of the forest you know it's not just like a big open field it's it's the middle of the forest and people are camping all throughout this this incredible site and you go to sleep and you can still hear the music from from the stages and just really well done really well organized and uh it was a trip literally it was a trip i could go on and on about it so and and we've got we've got a lengthy conversation with this one Haley and i really uh chatted it up i will say and so i just want to jump into a couple calendar dates and then i want to get into this episode of the podcast um the first date being august 26th which is a show that Haley johnson is playing at uh the liquor store that's a that's a killer venue in town so check that out august 26th and then just want to shout out september 5th which is a show at alberta street pub with fox and bones and brother not brother and it's a it's a very special brother not brother show they're re-releasing their first record which they had put out as hammerhead and they were re-releasing it with a couple extra tracks but uh, the real kicker is is that usually uh, they play as a duo. And for the first time, they're going to play as a full five-piece band, which should be very cool to see, especially for folks like me who have seen them play so many times. It's, it's going to be a great night, so I encourage you to come down and check out that show and uh, say what's up. But uh, we got this episode, and... Um, I told Haley at the at the end of the episode um, not to, you know, discredit those who have come before her. But this is um, this was definitely one of my favorite episodes of the podcast. Uh, Haley Johnson is a badass, and she is uh, I don't know. Some folks just have a presence about them. And Haley is one of those people, and I just really appreciate her drive and and her her grind to to push herself to to keep making really dope music. Which she's just a, such a great songwriter, and she seems to continue to surround herself with um, with people who who bring that out of her, especially with with her two new jams that, that we feature um, in the middle of this episode as well at the end. Um, we we get to the, the two new singles that she just released last week. And um, yeah, this is just a, a great conversation. And I, I'm riding high off of it. I'll tell you that. It's... It filled me up. It filled me up. It was. It's one of those. Uh, it's one of those things where you. Uh, you realize why you do something like this, and it's to uh, have these cool conversations with these people that you you respect so much, and and I think Haley just has such a a cool story of of the the journey that she's been on to to get to where she was or where she is rather. And from, you know, from someone that, 
that picked up an instrument a little later in life and now is um, not only a great songwriter, but proficient enough at her instrument and at her voice to, to also give lessons and, and participate in all this cool shit that's going on. So, um, yeah, I don't want to blabber too much up top, but I'm just super pumped on this. And I was, I was stoked to connect. We, we had been kind of tossing emails back and forth and we, we run into each other from time to time. We've been trying to make this happen, um, for a really long time. And it was, it was a long time coming. So I'm, I'm incredibly stoked to present this one to you. And, uh, you know, it was just like another one of those life lessons too that that things will happen at the right time. And and I told Haley that a couple of times that uh, I was glad that we had this conversation when we did. So um, I'm putting the links in the notes so you can you can find Haley's music. It's all over the internets. It's on the Spotify. It's on the iTunes. And I will put her website in the links or in the notes rather, I'll put the link to the website. Why can I never, I can never do that the right way. I always want to say that I will put the the notes and the links, but that's not how it works. But I will put the links for Haley in the notes. She shouts out her Instagram handle at the end, so you can find it there. We're going to kick off this episode, episode 123, with a song from Haley's When You Lit the Sky EP. And, uh, you know, it's Friday. If you're listening to this on release day, it's Friday. So it seems fitting to uh, kick it off with a jam called Weekend. Here it is, episode 123 with Haley Johnson, the powerful Haley Johnson. Let's get into it.
Johnson, we're doing it. We're finally, <laughs> we're finally making this thing happen. Yay! Much anticipated. Definitely been trying to ma- make this thing happen. But it's about dang time. I feel like this is. Uh, it works out for the best that way, though. So there's like all this new music that I want to talk to you about for yeah. sure. Then like the the new singles that you just put out, and I know you're gonna cruise in to the studio to make like a full length. Is that that is the goal? That yes, is, as always. What is everyone's happening? always making a record? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so we we have all that to talk about, but I definitely want to kind of kind of start at the beginning mm-hmm. of this whole this whole process. Um, so I guess we'll we'll just kind of dive into when did you start playing music? When did you pick up an instrument? Oh, <clears throat> pick up an instrument. I didn't pick up a guitar until I was 20. So I would say that was probably when my true musical journey began. I I sung, you know, my whole life in in closets mostly, not in front of people. I was was very shy. And uh, it took me a long time to break out of that. Um, But one day as I was in college, I was just like, I hate being in a sorority. I hate doing like all these things that people like, you know, being forced to be in this social atmosphere. And um, I was just like, I need to, I need to find something. And I was, you know, always, I was in an acapella group. I was in choir and I was studying music as a minor. So I was like, you know, inching my way to take it a little more seriously. And I I say that as like, take myself more seriously as a a musician, which I guess I didn't for a long time. Um, So yeah, that's kind of when it all began. As far as uh, singing while you were growing up, though, or is that was music something you were you were kind of always infatuated by and very very into? Yeah, dude. Like I can remember very specific memories of being three in like my parents' first apartment and just listening to um, well, mostly watching Disney movies. But I have this really clear memory of watching The Little Mermaid 
and singing along with Ariel and realizing like as this young child that I could sing along with her and like I was following the notes and my mom she you know she tells the story today she's just like and I looked over and I was I couldn't believe that you were singing along with that song <laughs> and uh so I, I kind of um fell in love with singing at a very young age and but for some reason like had this fear associated with it um I don't know what it was I, I think it was like a fear I was a really shy kid I didn't want a lot of attention I was always like hiding behind my mom um and I was always just kind of unsure of myself growing up. And as I got more comfortable with music and singing, um, it it kind of just like unwrap, unveiled this whole other side of me that, you know, had been hiding for a long time. And, you know, a lot of lessons of just finding myself in different friend groups, not really knowing like where I belonged. Um, so So discovering music after, you know, dreaming, like literally like, blasting Celine Dion trying to trying to hit all the notes she was hitting and just daydreaming about singing on stage um like all these other you know diva singers someday that was I just remember so vividly doing that as a kid so it's it's a it's a trip (laughs) yeah it's it is it is wild how things reveal themselves to you when you start exploring different things yeah especially things that make you uncomfortable Mm mm-hmm that's very true. Um, and as far as like, aside from the Disney movies and, and the Celine Dion, were you <laughs> were you, were you kind of like a, a music geek at all? Or oh no, no, that's the other thing. Like, if there's one thing that I wish, um, I guess I can't. I don't really regret anything. I, I am who I am. But music, as far as like a you know theor- on a theoretical standpoint, never really intrigued me. I never wanted to learn piano. You know, I, I would sit, I remember like sitting at a piano whenever I could find one and just kind of like plucking around, but I was never interested in piano lessons. I was a gymnast for like eight years. So I was, a, you know, I was an athlete. That was my main thing. Um, and I always just kind of looked at the theory of music and learning an instrument and all that as, oh, I could never do that. That's, that's not for me. That's too hard. Just immediately like doubting myself. Like it's just not going to happen. And that doubt continued, you know, for so many years until I found my, found myself in music theory 101 at Oregon State, surrounded by all these amazingly smart musicians being like, oh my God, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. What am I doing here? <laughs> and, you know, challenging myself to actually dive in and, and, learn about music on that level was so monumental for me and I struggled I mean I barely passed those classes I was asking for tutoring like all the time from my peers um but one day it just kind of all clicked like I'm, I'm not like a jazz master I didn't study you know I don't know all the crazy stuff but I know enough to to get by and to understand I always just kind of relied on my ear growing up kind of cheated yeah <laughs> It is it is wild what the mind is capable of and, yeah. <laughs> and what you are uh, capable of learning because I was definitely I don't know I was I was always pretty into music mm-hmm. as a as a kid and I got a guitar when I was like 13 and I picked it up and quickly realized that I had no idea how to play it and yeah. it was very irritating to me and I put it down very quickly yeah like and most people not, do did not return to it for many years and even when I did 
pick it up like many years later, I never thought that I would be able to like stand on a stage and, and play songs like by myself or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I definitely like relate to, to those feelings of like having really no understanding of how, how any of that stuff worked. And, and I still am very much that person when I'm watching musicians that I know are really good at what they do. It's just this whole next level of yeah. understanding of instruments and, and even the technical side of things when you get, around those those kind of gear geeks and, yeah. and things like that and i'm just like i know what you're doing is amazing i have no idea right. <laughs> what you are doing it's like you gotta know you gotta know your limits um and not not to say that i don't want to continue growing and learning as much as i possibly can but it's i know what my strengths are and um it i'm okay with not knowing exactly how to play like a jazz standard song. I'm okay with not knowing all the gear terminology. Um, you know, and I don't know, maybe someday I'll get more into that. I'm, I'm always open to, to discovering new things and I'm getting more into piano now that I'm a voice teacher. You know, I never thought that I would actually enjoy playing piano and, you know, being able to play chords even, but that's, it's now just like a it's easy. It's easy to me for the most part, but it takes a lot of practice and discipline. Um, I wanted to say the other thing about guitar is I always thought that it's not even that I thought it. I just kind of figured that guys played guitar. I didn't know any women playing guitar. I grew up, you know, in the suburbs. No one was really even into the arts. So I didn't have that influence, but it was always the dudes trying to get the girls playing the guitar. And I was like, ah, oh, that's, that's not my instrument. I'll just stick to singing. So that's a whole nother, another uh, side note to that. Was there, um, when, you, when you did pick up that guitar in your early 20s, mm-hmm. was there somebody, like a woman that you saw do it? Or were you still kind of of that mindset of like, this is something dudes do like <laughs> you know i it, i still at that point didn't know many women who played guitar except for one who became a huge mentor for me um her name was meredith brooks she had that hit song bitch yep, yep. can i cuss uh, you can say whatever yes, you like fuck yeah. you do okay. you that's the joys of an uncensored program oh you know? fabulous okay it's like <laughs> i love it um so meredith brooks had yeah she had the hit song bitch and my mom grew up with her in corvallis um and my dad was in her band in the 80s and that's how my parents met my mom's just like who's that drummer <laughs> you know and uh she she was the first woman on guitar player magazine back in the 90s and she was involved in like li- the Lilith Fair yeah. movement, I would say. Um, and getting in touch with her at that age and um, her kind of seeing something in me was it kind of changed my mind around. I, 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 you know, just studied her music a lot more and kind of just got a better idea of who she was and what her journey was like just by knowing her. And that was that was a huge inspiration too. She was just like, she kind of was just like, Haley, like you can, you can do this. Like you can be a badass guitar player and badass singer. And I would say that, you know, where I am now, a lot of my inspiration to be a better guitar player has been from my bandmates. And that, honestly, that's it's still mostly dudes <laughs> that, you know, but it's, I, I feel like I, I'm not like, 
insecure about being a woman trying to play guitar. I'm, I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to be vulnerable and make, you know, uh, mess up. <laughs> but it's, I feel, I feel good being surrounded by people who want to help me and teach me. So Yeah. And I don't know. That's the, the nice thing about probably playing with those people that surround you. They very much recognize what your talents are. And I'm sure that they see this as like an amazing experience as well to get to play music with you i hope so <laughs> i hope i don't drive them too crazy <laughs> um it's so your parents or at least your dad was a musician or is a musician yeah well no it's he he played music for for many years he toured you know mostly drumming playing drums through you know throughout the 80s in rock bands, cover bands, and uh, two of the bands I remember the most, one was called Legend, and the other one was Meredith Brooks and the Angels of Mercy. And uh, yeah, he he was such a badass drummer. And uh, you know, he, he wasn't like trained in drumming. He just kind of, he it was all feel for him. So I think I get a lot of that feel from music, just, you know, the, the unschooled sort of way of going about it. Um, the, he unfortunately is, he's injured, so he can't play anymore. He's got like, you know, back problems. He's got carpal tunnel, all these things that come with like a long life of playing rock and roll. Yeah. Um, and he'll, he'll still jam out with his buddies from time to time, but it's not like his, his main thing. Um, having the, uh, like having him being a musician though, do you feel like they were very supportive of what you like as soon as you kind of recognized that you did want to take this more seriously was it something that they were always super supportive of yeah they were they were surprised when i finally opened my mouth and <laughs> started singing and uh they were always supportive my my mom and dad never wanted to push me into anything that i wasn't comfortable doing so they they were never like all right we got to get you in acting classes we got to get you we got to fly you there fly you you know they were they kind of just let me figure it out on my own. And I'm glad that they did. I think if they had pushed me into it, I would have felt more resistance and maybe, I don't know. Um, but no, they're super supportive. On the other hand, sometimes too supportive and opinionated <laughs> in <laughs> what I should be doing with the business end of things. And my, my dad mostly has, has, uh, has the opinions. <laughs> yeah. I think it can be, I don't know. You find you find people that maybe their parents are a little a little scared of their uh, their their kids jumping into the arts, you know? mm -hmm. and I, I think rightfully so. You know, when yeah. you realize what it is to be an artist and kind of live that life, and and realize that so many people can't find any like sustainability, or it's it's such a balancing act. It seems like for for yeah. so long to to figure it out, but. I think that they just saw that like it it made me happy. I think it completely reshaped who how I I guess reshaped how I presented myself. Uh I just they could see a new a new light in me when I finally started to to share my my voice and share my songs and you know, it's been a it's been quite the journey since since then, but like I'm super grateful that they they support it because that would be that would be tough, man. If they're like, why don't you go be a lawyer? You know, <laughs> a lot of people have to deal with that. Though. I know. It's and I forget that. Like, I'm very lucky to have sometimes overly 
you know, concerned parents. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, th- I think, <clears throat> like, I've been pretty lucky in that as well. You know, having, like, I definitely have a mom who is, is so supportive mm-hmm. and, and, you know, can, can uh, tip on overly <laughs> supportive <Momager>. sometimes. <laughs> uh, but she's definitely, you know, like, I've had her on the podcast as a yeah, guest even. Yeah, that's cool. Um, but my dad was the same way. He never, like, really pushed against anything that I was going to do. And I think after a certain amount of time of continuing to pursue some sort of art, whether it be music or doing this podcast, even and seeing how I think they both kind of recognize like, Oh, he takes it pretty serious as something that he obviously loves to do. You know, I'm nearing my mid thirties and I'm still kind of doing shit like this. So it's it's like, Oh, (laughs) I think I think it starts to click after a certain right. amount of time, you know. And I had a sim. I actually had a, a similar. You know, I had. There was a moment where they were like unsure about my path, and that was shortly after <clears throat> my American Idol hoopla, <laughs> and I came home when I got off the show, and Meredith and my family were like, you know, really pressing me to go move to LA and start like go do the pop thing go audition for the voice when it was you know enough time had passed like do all these things that weren't focused at all on songwriting and I was like you guys like I really want to focus on my writing and I think I think I could be a good songwriter and at the time my songs were shit like they were I probably have a catalog of 150 200 songs that I you know garage band out banded out in my iTunes library and they're I won't show them to anybody, but that was the time that I had to take to to grow. And when I finally put out my first EP, they were like, oh, shit. Uh, Sorry, we didn't believe you (laughs) when when we said that you should just focus on singing. So that was actually a a big turnaround point. Yeah. um, If you have not if you're not exhausted of talking about the American Idol stuff, I, w- I would love to just kind of briefly like talk to you about that experience. Sure. I um, mean, it, it was a big I'm, part of my journey. So yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's, it's informed your experience for sure. And, um, how long after kind of picking up the guitar and, and singing, did you audition to, to do the American Idol thing? Let's see. Not long, honestly. I was 20. Um, I was just... Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. I guess I might have been two, two and a half, three years after I'd started dabbling in guitar and songwriting and a few open mics. Like, a very few open mics at, like, this pizza pub bar in Corvallis. And um, that was... I was probably 22 when I did had my first audition in 2011 and that was when the ride began <laughs> yeah and this is this is the era of of Randy Jackson J-Lo and Steven Tyler yeah. as the judges in my opinion one of the better seasons in the recent past <laughs> but I'm biased were you <laughs> were, was that something you were watching uh, as you were growing up, like the American Idol, something you would check out here and there? You know, not, I don't know, not really. I, I watched Kelly Clarkson and Carrie Underwood, but but by the time I was in school, 
I just, I didn't have time. My parents were always like, are you watching Idol? I'm like, mom, I don't got time for that shit. Like, I don't care about these wannabes. You know, I was kind of like a little sourpuss about it. I, I was kind of judgy. Yeah, I feel you. And, and uh, I, I don't know. I actually auditioned three years before um, I auditioned in Portland. I flew to Denver and me and my current guitar player, Carrie Samsel, both auditioned. And we both didn't make it past the cattle call. <laughs> and I was like, all right, that's it. I don't want to fucking do that. That's stupid. And then when they came to Portland, my friends were like, Haley, come on. Like, you know, just go do it. Why not? Just see what happens. And they had to really, really like nag at me to get me to do it. Because I was like, nah, nah, I don't need that. I don't need that. Been there, done that. Been there, done that. They <laughs> don't, don't want me. I'm not good enough. <laughs> I don't need idol. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I I came around and uh, that was yeah that was when that's honestly when the true like transformation into what I would say uh, an artist I don't know I say that because I started reading this reading this book at the time called The Artist's Way and I was really trying to like I was doing a lot of like inner work and you know a lot of it was very self helpy time for me so i mean i still read a lot of self-help books but likewise (laughs) it was like the first time that i like you know opened my eyes to this whole world of like oh shit my past has made me this way oh no how do i deal with all these feelings and i need to make them into songs and um i just sort of started looking at myself as i i basically uh seeing myself as worthy of making art i guess so even before (laughs) that second uh, run at doing the idol thing. Mm-hmm. You were already pretty interested in in writing songs. Yeah, and, and I I wasn't doing this. Yeah, and I wasn't wasn't good at it. Wasn't confident with it. But like I said, my Meredith, my mentor at the time, was like really. I mean, she put me through like boot camp, like artist boot camp when I was on that show because we had like months in between um, auditions, and she was like emailing me like daily lists like a whole schedule of what i had to do to be prepared for this moment of whatever moment um she was having me like sing three hours a day like dance and sing work out and sing film myself learn all these covers play guitar you know i'm it it was uh i was really i really didn't like her for a minute i was like god this bitch literally she's like make she's not letting me hang out with my friends and I was just like, you know, she was yeah. super strict. She's just like, if you want, like, if you really want this, and I'm like, oh, don't give me that. I know I want this, but I also want a life. And she's like, you can't have a life. <laughs> yeah, you need those people sometimes. Yeah, I really did, and I think I thank her like so much for, for you know, putting me through that because it showed me like I had to make up for a lot of lost time of not doing, of not doing any of that. Um. So I guess what people see on American Idol is is just probably not nearly anything that is actually happening. I feel like in like what you're actually going through from the show. So how many people in that that first audition that you did get past that? You're talking about standing in the line for hours of the day, mm-hmm. hundreds of of people. Yeah. Yeah. And then what happens after you get passed through that that first 
audition? Um, a month went by. We had they basically said, "We'll we'll be in touch with you about the next audition." So a month went by, and we got a email saying that there would be another like producer audition in Portland. Because you're not even auditioning in front of the judges. No, that first one. Right? There's like three auditions before you get to the judges. Yeah, because I mean, what you see on TV is is it looks like the first audition is no. is in front of them. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well that's just reality TV, you know. They it's it's all a it's all facade. It's all for entertainment and you know, I'm not trying to bash the that industry. That's just that's just the way it is. It's right. all edited. It's it's just to create this this story that people right. get excited about and behind the scenes is very different. And so I was auditioning from August of 2011 till March of 2012. That's how long I was in this thing. Off and on flying <clears throat> between Portland, LA, and Vegas. Um, which is re- really fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, December is when like the Hollywood week was. Which is, you know, once you get your golden ticket, you go to Hollywood week. And that, it was like around just before Christmas time or that we were in that that part of it. Um. And, and you ended up making it pretty deep into the process. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I made I it. I mean, on TV, doing the thing. Fairly far. It seems like not, you know, there's there's been so many people on those shows now that um, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal that I, I made the top 24, like top 12 girls. But when I put it in perspective, I'm like, damn, hundreds of thousands of people auditioned for this. Absolutely. <laughs> like, uh, it's, it's, it's a big deal. Um, and I was very honored to, you know, have been looked at as someone worthy of being on a a show or a stage like that. Um, Did you have, like, other than performing in front of the three judges, was there much interaction with them outside of that? No. There was, like, one time in Vegas where Randy and um, Steve... Steve, we're not first name basis. Steve, Steve. <laughs> it's, it's just Steve guys. Hey, Steve. Um, they came out and they were kind of just like, "Oh hey guys," and everyone's like, "Oh yeah," you know, talking to him. And I went up to to Stephen and I was just like, and he he said something I can't really remember, but he just said like, "You're doing great, Haley. You just you just gotta believe in yourself and you know just just own it." And that's what they just kept telling me. And he actually kissed me on the face, <laughs> the cheek, <laughs> not the mouth. But that was, that was Steven Tyler did not me too. You <laughs> he did not me too. I gave him a hug and he just goes Mwah, with his giant mouth. I feel like um, that, that's probably how Steven Tyler greets everyone. I would say, I would say so. Also, it's just like great hearing you say say that because I'm just hearing Steven Tyler's voice while you're saying it. <laughs> yeah, like, you're yeah. Doing great, Haley. You're doing, doing great. Doing great. <laughs> yeah, and then J Lo, you couldn't touch J Lo, man. She well, I did get to hug her at one point, but she you know, always had like a, a security entourage around her. So you all were pretty closed off to, yeah. to what they were doing. Was yeah. there a lot of interaction with the other contestants when you were down to like that, that top 24? Oh yeah. Yeah. That was probably the best part about it was the community that we, we had, like there was, you know, the top 24 mostly is when everyone started getting really close and, you know, we were going through this insane thing it was so surreal you know you kind of like blow up overnight when they announced the top 24 like i got like 11 or 12,000 twitter followers 
overnight and i was like what do i do with this <laughs> i'm supposed to talk to these people i don't know how to be like f- quote unquote famous um so that was weird and just being on tv and being interviewed we were all like you know we weren't used to that it's a whole kind of a mental kind of fucks with your head a little bit yeah and so every you know there was a lot of like religious people and i yeah so every sunday we would like have a prayer group (laughs) we would like sit in the hotel room and like just talk about everything and like pray for each other and it was like really sweet because we just we that's that was the great thing about this group is like no one was hooking up there was like no drama when i was there everyone was just like homies um no one was super competitive um and we got to have fun and we got to you know go to vegas together and get put up in nice hotels and have this crazy experience and meet people from all over the country that you would have never you would have never met right and i'm still friends with a lot of them to this day so that's very cool yeah um what would you say looking back on that experience like what what is the thing that you learned maybe the most from that experience or if anything (sighs) what did i I know that's kind of a loaded question (laughs) um i don't i don't know if it's like necessarily what i've learned but what i discovered um I discovered what I can do under pressure, and I also discovered that like, I, I discovered that I have the ability to to mostly stay sane and you know with it in that situation. Um, that's very very scary. Um, I, yeah, basically, I learned that I, I have something in me that can that can handle. Yeah. That and um, let's see what else. Um, I learned to just f- really aim in my music career to be true to myself because I saw a lot of people who had a box and I didn't have a box. I still don't feel like I have a box as far as musically. Yeah, like genre-wise. Agreed. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I kind of just uh, I don't know. It was a lot of like self-reflection learning. It's hard to explain. That is a loaded question. Was there, (laughs) did you find yourself to be one of the few that was actually playing an instrument at that time? Was it a lot of just people that were singers? I was not, well, I didn't play any instrument on the show. I know you didn't at that time, but. But no, I, I don't think any, maybe one, one of the other, one of the girls played, maybe one or two of the other girls played guitar. Oh, no, no, no. It was mostly like the country girls who played guitar, <laughs> which is cool. Um, did it? Did that experience create any false expectations for for you as far as what would happen after that? Did you feel mm. like something would happen quickly for you or anything out of that experience? Um, at the time, we were really working to uh, to make the most of the hype that I had, <clears throat> but. I just wasn't ready to put any music out. And so I kind of didn't take full advantage of that time. And in a way, you know, working, you know, having it be seven years later, sitting here with you now, it has sort of been this false sense of expectation. Sorry. Um, What am I trying to say? I went backwards, (laughs) basically. It's like I got all this attention for not being what I deemed as an artist and now that I'm finally 
an artist and I've put out music, I have a band, I can play guitar pretty well. Now I'm struggling to, to like get any, you know, I'm struggling more now than I was then. Right. So I think at the time I was like, oh, it's going to be a breeze. Like, I've got all these fans now. They're going to be with me this whole time. And no, they they, they move on. <laughs> no one remembers the 2012 top 24. Yeah. I mean, yeah. sometimes and people, you know, I'll bring it up and people are like, oh, that's cool. And sometimes it gives me like this, this weird sense of validation that I was on the show. But what's frustrating is like it so often, you know, you aren't validated until that's mentioned and it's like why why is that important and what i'm doing now isn't so that's been kind of a frustrating thing about it for sure well yeah. I, hope, <laughs> I hope i didn't make you uh feel like that that was like a super important part of, of what we talk about today but oh no i just no, think it's, it's such a unique experience mm -hmm. um you're definitely the only person i know that has ever made it that far in something like that and yeah i just i just think it's it's nice for people to like understand that it's not it's not exactly what they see on tv you know yeah. it's a there's a lot of other stuff and moving pieces yeah going on behind that but i also think it's really dope that you recognized whether it was consciously or not that you weren't ready to really take advantage of that buzz like you didn't have the music that you wanted to put out oh, i was so then anyway yeah. so i mean you i mean if you would have tried to take advantage of that you might have just ended up putting out stuff that you didn't really give a shit about anyways or, mm -hmm. or just kind of submitting to producers and ended up just singing songs maybe that you didn't even write yep absolutely um and i think if i went on the show now or like went on the voice now it would be a a completely different experience i i'm a different person i would be more prepared i would be able to use that steam you know um from from being on a show if i if i were to make it far and but i i just i'm fine i know i was talking about how like oh it's so hard now but it's like a part of me likes that a part of me is like wants to to do the grassroots thing and get a like you know a fan base that cares about me and loves my music for f for my music not for just oh I was on a tv show and they like my voice like that to me is not as deep as you know coming to see my my music at a, a live show rather than tv so when I when I, I have a lot of kids um reach out to me and they want to talk they want to talk to me because they're auditioning for Idol or The Voice and they they want to get the behind the scenes scoop and and I always am like very I don't tell them not to do it because they're they're so young and I I I don't I'm kind of like afraid for them a little bit I'm just like oh like cuz I know that those shows kind of can take advantage a little bit of of a young meldable moldable kid but I always just tell them like just try to be just be yourself as, as best you can be in that pressure filled experience and make the art that you want to make and I don't know just enjoy it <laughs> yeah um, so you come back from all that mm -hmm. and when do you kind of start taking yourself seriously as a as a songwriter oh Sometimes I still have days where I don't take myself <laughs> seriously as a songwriter. Um, probably, it probably took me 150 
garage band demos and my first EP to um to take myself seriously. Which one was the first one? It was called Through the Blue. All right. And I didn't that was before I had a band. I I worked with this producer named Rob Daker and uh he pretty much like you know, I gave him my stripped down guitar track and he did his magic and you know, it was very like pop pop rock but more not with real a real band. Yeah. <laughs> it, was it was very like on on the board sort of sort of um middied out music but it's still like i'm really proud of it i think it's beautiful um but when i when i wrote the songs and could hear them in their potential if that was the moment where i was like wow okay then that's pretty cool <laughs> and i built a band um shortly after um i had made made it so that i could play it out with yeah as much as closely as it sounded on the record as i could <laughs> kind of gave you the tools to do so since you already had like all the parts and whatnot you could kind of just present it to players and be like all right this is the music yeah let's let's try to do this justice guys yeah yeah um the first time i saw you play was i've never seen you play with a band still oh really i've only seen you play solo which for me is always still very cool to see a singer songwriter play solo just because you get to really hear where the songs are at and whatnot. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's always great to see something with a band too, but there's something about that intimate experience of just like watching somebody on their own on the sure. stage doing their thing. But the first time I saw you play was at the Jade Lounge. Oh man, that and was the first time. The Jade Lounge, <laughs> for anybody that, that knows here in Portland, is not really somewhere you would recommend someone <laughs> go to see music. Yeah. Uh, it's a cool <laughs> spot. It's a, it's a cool spot, but it's like definitely can be very rough as far as like sound and whatnot mm -hmm. um and i think you were kind of preparing to go out on that wind in the wave tour mm -hmm. yep. and you were just starting to experiment with some of the foot percussion maybe like i don't even know if you were playing the stomp box at, the, at that time i think i, I, think I might were. have i don't know did i i think i did but yes very quickly as soon as you started playing i was just like oh shit <laughs> like <it> was, <laughs> I was like, this is amazing. Uh, definitely Thank lived you. up to uh, to the hype I had, I had heard <laughs> around town. <laughs> oh, there's a hype, huh? I, I, I think there's a hype. I, I And people should believe in the hype. Oh, um, thank you. Yeah. But I was I was very quickly blown away by it, and I was just like, oh, this is so cool. And it, seemed, it seems like you've done a very good job of, of developing just a full sound when you are playing by yourself. Yeah, I think... Um, I, it, the, those tours were really awesome for that because before I put my band together, I was playing out solo, you know, just acoustic guitar, nothing else. And I just felt so like, ugh, this is, this is not exciting to me. Like there's only certain songs I can do that feel good. And I just wasn't a great solo performer or like solid guitar player. And I just, so I put, I, built my band and I wanted to like step away from the guitar as much as possible. That's why I had an acoustic guitar player and electric. So I was like, I just want to sing. Um, and when I got these tour opportunities, I was like, Oh shit. Well, I can't bring the band because they can't <laughs> pay me. So <laughs> right. I'm going to have to figure this out and do something different that, you know, is a little more creative and you know, it, it's stomp box and a tambourine, a foot tambourine and a guitar is not, the most crazy thing in the world but 
it was a fun challenge and it, it opened my my eyes and my ears to just different different ways of playing things and um being able to be confident on my own up on stage stage doing all that has lended me a much better um ability to play with the band so it's it was a huge blessing in disguise to kind of you know lose my band for a little bit and come back yeah you can really hold your own yeah now yeah and, and i i honestly i don't know maybe it depends on my mood but i love playing with the band it's you know i finally put one back together and they're all like amazing musicians and it's so much fun and i i feel like it's you know it's you, when you get to experience your music and the potential of how it could sound in a fully arranged piece is is really cool and just the energy um that you get to share on stage is a lot less daunting and a lot less pressure than being by yourself do you feel like it's any in any way less personal when you're doing it that way hmm maybe um there's definitely that possibility because people might tend to get get washed out just by the noise um i don't know per i think it's important for me to to share with people like all the different directions my music can go with different arrangements and i think that that to me is still personal like hearing the harmonies and hearing the the guitar the my guitar players uh, awesome lines that he puts over my chord progressions like all these little things um to me is very personal and I still try to have moments in my full band set where I do have an intimate just me or just me and another person moment um, because I know that people still enjoy that and I still do too so and as far as that that went in the wave tour you were playing you were playing some pretty big rooms right on that on that tour yeah I mean some pretty like let's see um, I would say on my last wind in the wave tour which was this February um it's so crazy i can't even it's weird that i did that it doesn't even feel like that long ago um <laughs> or it feels like a long time ago <clears throat> but we played the bluebird in denver yeah which is probably the biggest and most packed show i've ever i've ever played and that was pretty awesome they they're kind of you know they're blowing up in in denver and had sold out the year before the lost lake lounge two nights in a row so they got to upgrade um, so that was pretty cool, but we were playing, you know, you know, Mississippi studio size venues and, um, those are good size rooms yeah. you know, for touring around the country and that I'm, you were out on some pretty extended tours with them, right? Yeah. About a month, a month at a time. Um, I got to tour with Sawyer Fredericks too. Um, he won the voice season eight and, uh, I got to tour with the band, uh, Wolf Child from Seattle yeah. and we got, we, we were playing, you know, the same size rooms too. Sometimes the gigs were better than others. Sometimes it was pretty divey. Other times it was like, oh, playing the city winery in Atlanta, Georgia. And they're super fancy. Everyone's got their wine. They're sitting down. <laughs> um, so, yeah, all different venues. But And those types of tours where you're spending a lot of times, time with the headlining band, like are you traveling in the same van or bus with them so most of the time? each time has been different. The first time with Wind in the Wave, I was out and I drove I just had like a friend come with me to be my road manager kind of and we drove my car across the country I think we where did we how far did we go we went as far as uh Texas 
Um, unfortunately, that tour, I crashed my car and almost died. <laughs> Hit a semi going 80 miles an hour, totaled it. <laughs> Survived. Thank You're here. God, I'm here to tell the story. <laughs> that was a very terrible way to end a tour. I don't, I don't uh, recommend it. Um, but then the other tours, I was, you know, in in a Sprinter van with with the band and. The last tour I was on, I was in a tour tour bus, which was an upgrade. I don't know if that'll happen again anytime soon. But um, is it? Do you really dig being out on the road and kind of being in a different city every every day, dude? That whole vibe. It's so fun. It's so much work, and it's such a you know, it's such a trip. You feel like you enter into a totally different it's like a time warp <laughs> losing track of days and yeah and you're like that. what city am i in and i don't know i always my favorite movie it's almost famous <laughs> we're gonna end this podcast <laughs> yeah all uh, time all, i'm right there I'm so right there when i first saw that movie it's all happening it's all happening <laughs> it's pretty cliche but i saw that movie and i was just like that looks so much fun and granted that's a movie but you know it's touring in the most like uh you know in a tour bus or on your own or in a smelly van it's it's so fun because you just get to you get to connect with people on a whole different level than you would in your daily life you're you instantly become family or you instantly hate each other i haven't experienced that yet um and you're you're working together to put on a great show you're working with the other bands and you I don't know. I always just feel like I've, I feel like I've made so many tour families over the past year that I'm super grateful for. And, and just meeting, like seeing new fans, like from different States, like my music and like my performance. I'm just like, Oh shit. Like I got to, I need to do this like all the time. And just the experience of, I don't know, the coolest part, one of the coolest part too about touring is learning, um, once again like what how much i can handle like so often it was just me loading in all my gear and i have a shit ton of gear because i bring two guitars and all this stuff and all my merch and i would fly across across the country with all this stuff and have to set it up all by myself and pare it down and it felt like a like a real blue collar job just like working my ass off sweating being sore yeah i don't know i like that stuff for sure <laughs> i think that's that's been a, a common theme of talking to people that tour often is yeah is um i think that the casual music listener doesn't it looks like a lot of fun to just be out playing music and everything but yeah that's the fun part is is playing the music there's there's a whole day of load in oh, and man. sound checks and having to be there all day maybe four or five hours before yeah. the show even starts you got to be there time. for sound check but it goes by really fast and you know when you're killing time you mostly you're just like all right well let's let's go eat let's uh let's go a lot a lot of times i went to the gym which i don't go to the gym here but i went to the gym <laughs> on the road i was like i need to stay active um yeah, it can get monotonous. It can definitely get boring and I'm homesick and, you know, I miss my boyfriend and my family and I feel like I'm missing out, you know, at home. But I wouldn't, you know, give anything back for all the times I've had and I hope to continue to have. Yeah, and it just seems like it's obviously turned you into a better musician. I, I think 
the the time that I saw you play next after that was uh, the first annual Portland Folk Fest mm-hmm. <laughs> put on by the old Fox and Bones. That's right. Sarah and Scott, shout out. Um, Sarah was the first person on this podcast, really. <gasps> hey, Sarah. So you're awesome. That's rad. And um, Scott. But that was the next time I saw you, and I was just like, it just seemed like you were like real dialed in. Like you looked and performed like somebody that was playing music every night, you know? Thank you. Yeah. I still feel like, I don't know, I'm never satisfied with a performance. <laughs> I'm always like, shit, my guitar was out of tune. Oh, no, I messed up that note. Like I'm, after every show, I'm, I, there's always something. I appreciate you saying that, but it's like, I'm just letting you know, like the other side of it, like I'm never satisfied with how, with my playing. <laughs> I think that's just part of being an artist. Yeah. Like you're always going to be critical of yourself. Totally. And I think, I think that's good. I think I, it, there should be a healthy balance. Like I should be like proud of myself and not have all this self doubt immediately after a gig. And, yeah. and like when people compliment me. Sometimes I'm just like, oh, well, gosh, did you hear that? Like that note I hit? I'm <laughs> like, just take the compliment, Haley. Just don't let this drive you crazy. I feel you, though, because even doing this podcast, I'm loving this conversation, by the way. Me too. But after this, when I listen back tomorrow, when I'm listening back, there's going to be parts where I'm just like, why did you say that there? <laughs> why didn't you do this? You know, like, why didn't you take the conversation here story, at this point? Yeah. So, story of my life. Why did you say that, Haley? Why? <laughs> but I think it's also you just want to be better. Yeah. You know. And you know, I, I, some of my greatest influences are people who, when I go see them, I'm just like, I can't even close my eyes because I'm so blown away by what they're doing. Yeah. And they just look at it's so effortless, it's so easy. <laughs> I'm like, shit. Like I, you know. And then you then you forget. You're like, oh yeah, these people have been touring on the road for years and years and years, and like, you know, I'm sure that they still end a gig and they're like, shit, I did that weird. Yeah. But that is the that is the feeling I get when I see you play music. Like it does look like it is effort, effortless in some way, like oh. in the best of way. Well, thank you. <laughs> and um, I mean, are you are you at least very comfortable every time you step up on stage? I'm getting more and more so. Yeah, I think a lot of it is just preparation. Um, you know, I have no excuse not to rehearse and practice. I'm a teacher. Like, I have to tell people to practice all the time. If I don't do that, I'm a huge hypocrite. And if I get if I mess up something at a gig, that's my that's my my fault. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's it's a lot of, you know, I was just rehearsing before you got here. That's the first time I've rehearsed by myself in weeks. So I've been slacking. <laughs> so, right on. Well, let's uh, let's take a little musical break here. Oh, we're yes. Gonna g- we're gonna get into uh, one of your new jams, okay. which is called uh, "Lift Me Up." Okay. And this is one of the new singles that you released, and uh, it's available on the old Spotify's and now on iTunes. Uh-huh, Just <laughs> uh huh. Just. So this is, a, this is a jam called "Lift Me Up."
So talk to me about these new jams that, that you just recorded, these, these new singles. New jams. I feel like they, like that last one, Lift Me Up, definitely, as soon as I turned it on, I was like, oh, this has like mad Tom Petty vibes. Yeah. That I love so much. I, I think it's just the guitar tones, maybe. Just that. Definitely. Like, yeah. It was like, as soon as it hit, I was just like, oh, this is fucking awesome. And then it also has like such a cool breakdown, I feel like, where there's a lot of. That's my just, favorite yeah, part. That's, yeah. There's a lot of cool like drum hits in there and everything. Mm-hmm. That was a. Uh, you're so right about Tom Petty. That's exactly what my producer and my guitar player were like, yeah, dude. Like, and I was like, okay, let's do it. They were totally going for that. Um, but yeah, that song is probably one of the more upbeat songs I've ever written, which has uh, yeah. always been a tough one for me because I'm always like singing about my feelings really slow <laughs> um, or just really dramatically, which is the other song. But anyway, this was um, actually like the story behind how this song was created, birthed into the world. I was super high. I was really high on marijuana <laughs> and one night and I do that often to, to gain some inspiration I'll just kind of jam out on my guitar and uh, smoke some of that sweet sweet Chiba sweet, sweet. I feel you I'm, I'm about that life <laughs> yeah I'm not, I'm not ashamed it's legal so um, and you know I was just kind of jamming on guitar not even singing and I came up with this um, and it was originally like a kind of a different progression and I was like this is sort of like um, kind of punk rock and I don't know like indie punk rock kind of style right now that I'm I'm feeling and um, I, I didn't know what to do with it I kind of like sat with it for months and just like it sat in my voice memos and and one day I came back to it and showed it to my producer. I was just like, what do you think of this? And he's just like, this is dope. Uh, let's try, can we try something a little different? And we decided to sort of rewrite it on acoustic and sort of make the um, the chord shape a little different. So it sounded more open, kind of like a 12 string. Yeah. And uh, I was like, okay, this is cool. And uh, I kind of just, you know, when I wrote it, it, it happened very easily. I wanted it to be a song about simply just being really into somebody and like that that chase being the chaser um from from a a woman's perspective so a little flirty a little more on the like the sexy side from for my uh what i usually go for (laughs) um and uh yeah so gus berry was my producer for this and he hired um we hired two awesome well three awesome musicians to work on this we had nathan trube um, of Tango Alpha Tango. It's two podcasts bass. in a row that he's been mentioned. Really? Because I just had uh, Joey Harmon. Oh. I just had him last week. Cool. His, his Boots Void yeah. uh, record that he just put out. Nathan is just such a he's crazy good musician. I'd like, yeah. Insane. I don't know. I guess you you assume that a guitar player that good knows how to play bass too, but I didn't really know that you know that he would be when I saw that he played bass on, on that track and as well as close to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was just like, oh, that's cool. Like, he's playing bass on this. Yeah. And, and I was told that, like, oh, this bass sounds like it's a guitar player playing bass, which I don't really know what that means, but I think it sounds dope. He I definitely, did an amazing job. Yeah, I think, I think uh, I've seen a couple, a couple people that are extremely good guitar players, and then when you see them pick up a bass, it sometimes can have that feel. It's yeah. just like, oh, you kind of you play this thing. Like, like a, a guitar, guitar <laughs> in some in some way, not definitely not a bad way. No, like, no, and I think Gus chose him because he 
he just loves working with him and trusts his abilities and so I'm really it was super happy to work with him on drums we worked with An Andrew uh, Borger Andy Borger who I don't know if you know who that is I don't he's from New York uh, he has he tours with Katie Lang okay he's played on almost every Tom Waits record he his uh, he's played with Nora Jones. So a very seasoned musician. Seasoned, uh, yeah. If you look at his Wikipedia page, you'll be like, oh, shit. So when I discovered all these things and I met him, I was like, oh, my God. And I can't believe, like, this guy is going to play my songs. That's awesome. Um, and then, of course, Carrie Samsel of the band Samsel, um, a longtime friend of mine. Our dads used to play music together. And uh, so he... he he shredded the electric guitar, as did uh, Gus on some some songs. Um, but we we recorded both tracks in one day, and pretty much live, as far as vocals, drum, and bass go. I like that. I think that just adds so much feel to a song when totally. that happens. Yeah, and I think that's that's definitely the way that I would prefer to go about recording. At least the style of music I'm doing now is, um, I want it to feel like an experience and. I, I feel like I sing better when I have that energy around me, like a live scenario. I think I sing better live than I do in a sterile environment where I'm singing just to a click track. You yeah. Know? Um, it's hard to, it's hard to vibe sometimes. Hard to vibe. I mean, obviously there's a lot of people that are incredible at it. And yeah. Yeah. And it's there's not to say that I won't ever experiment doing singing like that. So I don't know. I'm I'm open to it, but I love the experience of playing and singing live in a recording studio. Um, so recording both of those songs was a really cool experience, and it was like a just a 12-hour day. We didn't even really change much after the fact. It was just mixed. Gus mixed it, and I was super happy with just like the rough. I was like, we don't need to add anything. Like, let's just like bring up this and bring my vocals up. So it was very like rough. Not rough, but just as as it was, not messed with too much. Yeah, um, are you? Do you find yourself really involved in every part of the process at this point when you're making records? You know, this I kind of felt a little rushed making these songs. Um, I I felt like I had to get something out really fast, and my manager was kind of like, "We got to get this done." And I think I, looking back wished I would have been more involved in some of it not because I'm not happy with them but just for the sake of knowing that I I can be more involved and yeah. I think when I go into the studio next time I definitely want to be involved in the mixing I want to be involved in like you know I want to spend some time marinating in them and seeing if we want to you know change or add add something or take something out or yeah I just kind of take take more time but not too much time, because that can also yeah, backlash. that can kind of fuck you. Uh, <laughs> like yeah, it can be, yeah, you can. Uh, there's a certain point where you just have to like get out of your own way and yep, because you can be a perfectionist and completely drive yourself crazy. Yeah, there's probably always going to be little things that you hear that mm -hmm. are going to mess with you. But um, it's funny that you you mentioned uh, that song kind of having this this punk rock feel in some way and. Uh, to go along with the Tom Petty thing, that was uh, when when they were kind of first breaking in in the L.A. scene. They didn't really know where to place Tom Petty. Oh, like, really? And and they would often play with like a lot of punk bands oh, at that funny. time, just because 
they play it like all their songs were very like tight two and a half minute three minute songs and so but yeah it definitely has that vibe it's very cool it's it's one of my it's definitely up there for me as far as uh, in the Haley johnson catalog that's definitely one of my favorite favorite songs it was it was uh as soon as i put it on i was blown away by it cool thank you yeah go ahead oh i i just i have a funny um memory of like when i had my old my band um when we were playing my through the blue record um you know i think that at one point they were getting pretty bored with my songs they're like you should write like some rock songs or like we should learn a cover and i was like we are not a rock band. <laughs> like for some reason I was so against being a rock rock band and now like I want to rock out all the time. Sure like I love my ballads, but even I want my ballads to be huge and epic and I just I love I love guitars and I love drums and bass. That sounds so basic, but like I oh, love yeah. I love the rock element in in my music um and I'm not ashamed of it. <laughs> well, and and even earlier in the conversation, you kind of spoke to not really fitting in a box musically, and I think that's that's the cool thing about kind of going through the existing catalog. It feels like you have made different jumps and mm-hmm. and different feels. <coughs> like I love your uh, when you lit the sky EP. Oh, there's there's so many cool songs on there, and we featured uh, Weekend up the at the top, and I kind of went I went back and forth on so many different songs. I usually try to keep it to like three songs that we uh-huh. feature on the podcast, but yeah, I was, I was definitely like jumping back and forth with, with tell me lies, which is the first track on that one. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, sideways is probably my favorite track on cool. that, on that particular album. But that weekend song, the, the keys, the keys on that song I are know. so sick. That's uh Alex Weinberg. He's in a band called fresh track. Okay. He's, he's a pretty dope musician. Was that a whole <clears throat> different set of musicians that, that played on that EP? Yeah, all but one. Um, the only musician that remains in the band is Tim Karplus Tim's on the champ. bass. <laughs> Shout out Tim Karplus. Tim, everybody, everybody loves Tim. He's so good. I know, and he plays with like 10 bands. And for some reason, like, never misses a gig with me. <laughs> so I don't know how, it always works out. I definitely have to share him with a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, is working with a lot of different musicians something that you really dig doing? Um, I there's something about having like your like your number one people in your band. Like, I don't know. Um, it, it it is. I don't know. I I think for a long time I was afraid when my band and I broke up just because people had moved away, I was really scared to start another band because I was so married to the idea of them as my band and the Haley Johnson band that I was honestly just a little insecure to start reaching out to other players. And I was just like, I don't know if they're going to like my music. Like, you know, they're all into like soul and funk. And I don't know, this is not that. And I was afraid to reach out to people who I really admired um, because I just didn't know if they would be into it. Um, But now that I've, reached out to people and i have this band that i really love i have casey anderson um we he just played my uh single release show with me he's um, like he's probably my favorite one of my favorite drummers i've ever worked with um and it's it's been cool i think you grow a lot when you when you work with other musicians you learn how to communicate you learn how other people communicate so you have to learn how to communicate with them 
um, it's definitely a little scary being a band leader. I don't always know what I want. I don't yeah. even always know how to explain what I want. Um, but I think the more musicians you work with, you kind of you kind of get a feel for the the lingo. <laughs> and having someone like Tim in the band is always helpful for me as far as like communicating with the drummer. Um, but but yeah, it's 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 great. It's uh, Portland has a lot of amazing musicians, so it's uh, we're not short of them. That's for sure. That is very sure. Um, what about as far as the songwriting process? Is mm. is that something that you enjoy collaborating with different people, or do you kind of like to have that personal experience with with that? Um, I used to be super selfish with my songwriting. I didn't want any anybody's advice. I didn't want anyone to write with me. I was like, no, these are my songs. They come from deep within my soul, and. <laughs> And now I'm just kind of like, okay, Haley, I will not compromise uh, these feelings. Yeah. <laughs> you don't tell me how to feel. These are my words. But no, I, I'm so over that now. Thank God, because like some of my favorite new songs that I have were co-written with my some of my best friends, who I finally had like the I stripped myself of my pride and sat down and you know, wrote, wrote a song with them or had an idea and we kind of worked on it together or they came to me with an idea and I, I finished, you know, the parts that needed to be filled in and their, their shows a co-write, you know, there, that is a co-written song and there's nothing more exciting than writing a song with a friend and being like, this is dope. And then having it grow, watching it grow and, um, evolve so yeah, uh, these two songs, these two singles I released are actually they are they are they are written by me, but some of my favorite songs are all written with like Tim or my friend Allison, uh Slater Smith, the Weather Machine and so yeah, I'm definitely going to continue to explore co-writing and it's it's fun. Yeah, I know you just uh went on a short little run with with Leo London. And Leo, and played yeah. some shows, and yeah, I'm I'm in love with that. Temporarily, your girl, thank the song you. that you it's, did with him. It's such a beautiful song, man. I love his songwriting, and the video for that is very cool too, which is rad. Yeah, um, is that something that Leo just kind of brought to you, um, and, and asked you to sing on, or did you have some creative input at all doing that song? Um, that was very much like just him asking me to come sing on his song because he had, he'd had all these songs written and he wanted to do like a side project like we wanted to he wanted to call it London Johnson <laughs> like London. <laughs> that's so awesome that's fucking killer um, but I was just like man I think it would be cool if you just featured me you know featured my name on it and that way you know I can I just we can both do our own thing, but have this cool shared project together. And we, he was cool with that. And so we recorded those songs completely live. Um, did you do a couple, like more than one? There's three. Okay. There's three songs I did with Man, him. I have so much more to go dude, through. Go now. listen to his EP, Montgomery Park. But it's How much so music good. does that dude put out? Like he's A lot. He's in one of the coolest bands in Portland, mm -hmm. The Domestics. Yeah. And they seem like they're always putting out music. And then I went to go find the temporarily your girl song earlier today. And I'm just like, 
this dude has like two eps that he put out this year still yeah <laughs> like i know it's insane yeah he writes so much and he's got such a cool vibe and and voice and it was really fun singing with him and touring with him we became the best of friends and uh i just i want everyone to hear his music because i think it's so cool and yeah i feel super honored to have been able to to sing those songs with him it just felt so natural it just felt like it, it was fun for me too because it kind of had me use a different part of my voice that wasn't you know the super strong it, w- it was a lot softer um which kind of made me want to explore that more in my music um so yeah leo leo london is a boss check out his ep <laughs> yeah absolutely and it seems like you obviously took away a lot from that experience and kind of getting to hang with him i would imagine you kind of get a little more insight on on his songwriting process and and yeah seeing him play music and whatnot totally and and the other thing too about sort of like what's unraveled for me in this past year besides all the touring um is is just opening up to um collaborating with more bands in in all sorts of ways uh being more involved in the portland music scene uh I got to go on tour with Moray Massa and sing backup. She's so killer. She's so good. <laughs> I know. I know. Dude, that was such a fun tour. Like, and hanging out with all of her her band and um, getting to be a part of of that scene and sing her beautiful songs. It was that was an awesome experience. And I I I just want to do more of that. Like, I want to be more involved here. I want to support people as much as I can. I want to get out of my project and you know learn you know, learn from somebody else's, I don't know, it's, it can definitely get a little lonely. It got really lonely for me when I didn't have a band and I wasn't, I was just focusing on writing my songs by myself. And I was just like, this sucks. Yeah. (laughs) It gets so, I need to, yeah, get out of my head. Well, I think that's just also just the, the creative process and that artist life. Um, it can feel very lonely. And if you're not, communicating with other people that are doing it. It was just kind of like we were talking off mics about um, you reading like lots of like artist memoirs and, and how that, how you can find comfort in mm-hmm. those things. Cause you get to know that other people are experiencing these things. So yeah. And that's the other thing about being involved in your community is, you know, I so often I, I will call up my, my musician friends, girlfriends, guy friends, and we'll just, we'll just shoot the shit. Like, what are you struggling with this week? <laughs> like, yeah, for sure. You got some self doubt? Me too. Like, let's support each other. Cause I believe in you. You believe in me. Like that's the kind of attitude I like to have. And it's just, yeah, it's important to me to, to build those relationships and just be friends with other musicians and not be like in competition with anybody. Just, just support each other. Yeah. That's rad. I'm about that. Yeah. Support is necessary. <laughs> this is so hard to just like, it's, there's no blueprint for any of this. No, it's you the know? wild west. You can read those books and whatnot and like relate to those things, but there's no like necessarily right way to go out and promote yourself or play the right shows all the time. And mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I still question, you know, every decision I make, is that the right, should I have done that? Should I, should I do this show? Should I do that? And I don't know. I'm kind of getting to the point where I don't say yes to everything, but 
I want to say yes to the things that maybe I'm afraid to do because of some reason I don't realize. Yeah. I don't know. Would, uh, would you say maybe playing with another artist that's way outside of your genre would be something that would be mm. that something that would maybe be maybe. scary for you or something like that? Probably. Yeah. Because then I'd be in my head about like, is the audience going to dig this? Like they, they showed up to like watch like electro pop R&B and here I am <laughs> like singer, like whatever you can, you call me. And, uh, I actually got a call recently to open for this chick named Ella Vos at Holocene. And, uh, she's electro pop princess, you know, she's, she, I love her music. It's, it's gorgeous. I, I still love all kinds of music that isn't my whatever genre, um, but I was really, it was like a last minute, it was like day of, like someone hit me up, they're like, can you do this last minute show? And I was like, <gasps> and like, I'd been listening to LFOs for a while. And I was like, no way. Well, and then I was like, wait, why did they call me? <laughs> what? This is not a good fit. Yeah. Like I play guitar, you know, like this is so different. And I was getting in my head about it, but I was like, I'm going to do it. And I got, I got so excited and then they called me up like 10 minutes later. They're like, actually, never mind. We actually, we found someone, someone else. I'm like, what? You can't do that. Is, yeah. <laughs> you not, just put me through I'm so not super much. pumped about like that, how that went down. No, I wasn't that's either. A, that's a interesting. That's happened a lot. That happens a lot. You, you know, you, these, I don't know. You have to always kind of be ready to be let down. I mean, as somebody that's. Done a good amount of show booking these this last year or so. Like, there's always some variables for sure that mm -hmm. that are unforeseen. But uh, yeah, but as far as like playing on a bill, maybe where you don't feel like maybe you match perfectly or anything. I think I think the one thing that like I've tried to do with booking shows is maybe not make it so every band sounds the same you know mm -hmm. I, think it, I think it's nice as an audience member to maybe see something that's way different before that headliner even yeah just because yeah just opens opens the minds it's a different energy yeah that, that is put out and then also especially if you're gonna go see like some singer songwriters like it's not always exciting to say see three people with a guitar play yeah. back to back to back sets you know sure yeah and actually that that um allows me to bring up a little bit of promo so i have a show coming up at the liquor store on august 26th with this band called yoya i've never played the liquor store i've always thought the liquor store was too cool for me and no. yoya is a band You're too cool for the liquor store <laughs> Haley. i don't know <laughs> and and yoya is a band from corvallis that i i um, hung out with back in school and like l was just like you know a friend and a fangirl like I loved their music and when they asked me to to share the bill with them well, a couple weeks ago I was like why why would why would you ask me like white girl music to play your show <laughs> like their you know their music is god how would you describe it the two dudes they're amazing musicians it's kind of like synthy indie pop rock with a lot of like radiohead influence and i don't know it's really really dope and the the lead singer has an incredible voice um but i was still kind of like this is a weird bill but i'll take it <laughs> so 
that's a that'll be fun. I'll we'll have my whole band with me. Right. So we'll so rock out. The twenty sixth of August. Yeah. I will definitely uh mention that in the intro of the cool. podcast as well. Um Are you have you always been pretty comfortable with sharing your tunes as far as the vulnerability of the lyrics? Is that something that you've always been pretty comfortable with? Um yes, because I don't think I've always done a great job of being super cathartic in my songwriting. I think a long for a long time I sort of wrote songs that maybe I I've I've gotten better at it, but it hasn't been uncomfortable for me to sing about me not being where I want to be yet in life or where I want to be yet mentally or emotionally and that's a lot about that's a lot of what I write about is just sort of my inner dialogue and inner struggles of self self-doubt um and I'm very open about that I'm not uncomfortable about talking about that because I know that so many people deal with that and I just find different ways of saying it in my songs and trying to believe in myself to encourage other people to believe in themselves um it's a common theme but my the one song that was I was really uncomfortable to share is my other single, which I don't know when you're gonna play it. We're gonna play it at the end. So okay, gonna, do you want me to wait it. to talk about it? No, no, no. go ahead. Okay, huh. so I was really nervous. There's no rules to this podcast. No rules. Bailey. Okay, <laughs> I like that. Um, so close to you is one of the songs that I wrote in just a complete like um, emotional breakdown. Like I was super mad at my mom, <laughs> just like fuck <laughs> and you know i love my mom we've just had a lot of you know every mother daughter relationship has its battles mother son ones do too Mo- i'll tell I, you what i believe Shout it that's my mom hey mom she's listening <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so when i wrote this it was kind of like it wasn't like a jab at her but it was just like my really intense frustration for how she was perceiving my life and how i was living it and just like I never felt, I always felt like I was doing something wrong. And the song sort of portrays that, like, the first line is, I don't believe it, there you go again, making me feel like I'm living in, living in vain. You know, I'm always doing something wrong. Um, and that's not a good feeling to not feel like your mom is not proud of you or, like, you know, on board for how you're living your life. But that's the whole that is the journey to adulthood is separating yourself from your parents and making your own, making your own decisions. So when I wrote the song, I was really afraid to share it with her because I was like, Oh shit, is she going to be like mad? Is she going to, am I going to hurt her? Um, cause I was like, I know she's going to know this is about her. Like there's no way around it. I have to tell her. So on mother's day this year, <laughs> I played the rough track that I had just done in the studio and she just starts sobbing. And she loved it. She was just like, oh, Haley, this is the most beautiful thing. <laughs> and she was like, she's like, I totally understand that it's it's tough. Like, our relationship has not always been easy. But this is a really beautiful song. And it wasn't all, it's not a totally negative song. There's there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And an appreciation of who she is as a parent. Um, but yeah, that was that was probably the first song where I felt nervous about yeah. sharing. <clears throat> And rightfully so, mm-hmm. but also maybe like hopefully that gives your mom like more perspective on your relationship. And yeah, keys her into some things as well. It, so I'm sure she like has mad respect for that 
that you did that too. Yeah, I hope so. Interesting uh, therapy session for us. <laughs> <laughs> Cathartic. I think the the willingness to to be vulnerable in front of uh, strangers or people that you're super close to is is such a powerful thing, and that's mm. I think that's like why so many of us attach ourselves to music and and people sharing their words and whatnot. Yeah. So. Totally. Um, right on. I, I I love your music so much. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, it's I love your podcast so much. Thanks. I'm How long have you been doing this? I guess we're like, I don't know, a little over two and a half years. You're going to be episode 123. One, two, three. One, two, three. All right. Which is rad. <laughs> um, so what what is next? Uh, like you you just put out these these two singles. Or is there like a plan to go hit the studio for making this full length record, or or is it all just kind of getting the songs together still? I have so many songs that I'm playing out live and getting excited about and playing with my band that I'm just ready. I'm ready to go tomorrow. <laughs> I'm I'm actually meeting with my producer tomorrow just to kind of like brainstorm ideas and um, just get kind of, you know, open that door again. Of course, the main thing is money. <laughs> I need to figure out how to pay for it. Got to have dollars to make records. Got to have it's, dollars. And also, you got to have proper dollars because, um, I don't know, everything that you've put out thus far seems like just very, like on a production level is so sonically pleasing and mm. it's just all really well done so thank it you i don't know it doesn't uh it's definitely not some lo-fi shit <laughs> you, know, I mean, you know you're writing songs that that seem to to deserve and kind of need the the proper treatment mm. of those things yeah and i think um i'm still learning like what i don't know i feel like i'm finally happy with um how my vocals are sounding i feel like um that is for a songwriter and a vocalist the most important thing that needs to stand out um i still think i need to find the right mic that's my next that's my next uh shopping spree is finding that perfect mic for my voice whether that's like see you're becoming a gear geek yeah you're turning well that's the thing you know i mean i don't know i i uh anyway i'm i'm really excited i'm just i can't wait and it was such a fun experience recording um, at Jackpot with, with Gus. Um, and I don't... Usually, like, the studio... It gives me so much anxiety. Like, it's... I, I feel, like, so much pressure to just be perfect. But when you're working with the right people and it's fun, you're just like, oh, this is, this is easy. We're just, we're just making music. It's not a big fucking deal. Like, <laughs> I mean, it is because you're pouring your, like, life savings into it hoping that your dreams will come true and you'll get to tour the world and everyone will love you. But that is the, that's the gamble. <laughs> that's when that magic happens though. When it just like feels like that, like you're just having a, having a good time having and you're a, not, yep. you're not too far in your head. And, um, so are you going to keep working with Gus then for yeah, this I, next? I think so. Yeah. Batch of songs. Yeah. Cool. So I'm excited to see what we, what we make and, um, there's a as far as future stuff goes I've nothing crazy on the books yet I'm going to tease a little piece of information I may or may not be going on a Europe tour 
in the next 12 months. <laughs> all right. All right. Cool. Have you played outside of the States at all? Um, not officially. I played yeah. some shows in Sweden before a while back, but uh, not like a not like a real tour. So um, I, I think getting out of the U.S. will be refreshing. Nice. <laughs> in many ways, more ways yeah, than one. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Before we wrap it up, I was just kind of curious about your your songwriting habits. Oh. Um, are you somebody that? tries to sit down i know you were talking about earlier that that was like kind of the first day in a while that you were rehearsing by yourself but mm -hmm. are you the type of person that's gonna pick up a guitar or sit at the piano every day to try to crank something out even if you're not like spilling with ideas i wish i could say that i was that person um it, it comes in spurts and when the inspiration's there i can't stop like a lot of it is is relying on that inspiration to give me that motivation, and a lot of it is just discipline. So for me, when my folk like lately, my focus has been on promo and business, more the business side, and touring and playing. And you can only focus on so much at once. Um, you have to, yeah, you have to just put your best foot forward with what you're doing. But now that I'm, I don't have too many shows coming up, and um, I'm. I have some time on my hands. I think now is a good time to, to continue writing. And, you know, I'm, I'm always like gathering ideas, little, little snippets, like a melody I'll hear, like when I'm in the shower and, you know, I'll come back to it. I'm, I'm, my voice memos probably <laughs> take up a majority of my storage. Your phone is always full because of your, your voice memos. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but like my songwriting style is very much, um, usually a, a melody, will pop in my head uh, a phrasing melody i'll write guitar the chords to that melody like i can write a whole song in my head just hearing the the melody and i can hear everything i'll put the chords there and then i'll write the lyrics and um i'll sort of improvise the the lyrics as i'm writing the melody and just be like making nonsensical words that eventually those vowel shapes become the words that I choose and the rhymes. And, um, so yeah, that's the main way that I, I go about writing, which is kind of weird, but I think, I think it's pretty uh, normal actually. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Well, I appreciate the fuck out of your music. Thanks, Dan. Um, I'm not, um, you know, not to discredit those who have come on this podcast before you, but this is, uh, definitely, one of my favorite conversations that has happened in in 123 episodes oh so shit i'm glad Thanks, that uh even the katie tunstall one come on yep yeah, this is so, I'm, I'm also just like <laughs> in love with your your space here oh, like this thanks. is this is rad this is an awesome awesome little basement studio thanks. That you have, it's uh, a bit of a fire hazard you know but it, it's vibey though <laughs> it's got some cool vibes down here and um yeah i'm glad in some ways i'm glad that we waited this long to have this conversation because yeah um, we got stuff to talk about yeah you have more and more to talk about every time you know you just keep cranking out tunes and um yeah i'm, I'm just blown away by your performances and i took like uh five or six people down to al's den when you were opening um tara Velarde's um al's den residency oh, down yeah. there and 
and I knew that they would all dig it, but they were just all very blown away too. They're just like, holy fuck, like what the, what is happening? <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I told you. I wasn't I'm not bullshitting you when I told you to come check out somebody. Oh, but uh Thank you so much. Yeah. I, I it makes me makes me happy to hear to and, hear that stuff. Uh, makes me so excited that you're an almost famous fan. It's definitely oh. up there for I me. Know, and your like aura is purple. <laughs> yeah. What? Your aura is purple. <laughs> I miss you and I love you. Okay, that's all. You guys got to watch the movie. <laughs> um, yeah, we're going to play it out with uh, Close to You, which cool. is the, the song we were talking about. And, and I will make sure that um, all the links are in the episode notes so people can, can find you. Um, cool. What's the Instagram handle? That's, that's where people seem to most want to follow people these days. Yeah, um, it's at, at Haley Johnson Muse, but it's m- Muse without an E. So H A L E Y J O H N S E N M U S. Remember that. Follow it <laughs> to keep up with the latest of the journeys. Right on. And I'll, like I said, I'll put the uh, the official links in the notes. Uh, we're gonna play it out with this jam. And yeah, thanks so much. Awesome. Thank you for having me, appreciate Dan. Appreciate the hang. Um, check out all these jams. They're all on the uh, the Spotify and the iTunes and whatnot. And uh, this is. Uh, this is one of those new singles, beautiful jam called uh, Close to You, and we will catch you on the flip side, Portland. Later. I don't believe it, there you go again, making me feel like I'm living in vain, but I'm a driver, call me a wanted man, I'm a survivor, I'm doing what I can, all you can see is somebody on the road to dark places, all the ones you've known, I gotta live it. Gotta let it go, can't you forget it? Oh, you gotta know that I felt like hiding when I saw you crying over me, over me.
Ben Dekil Zephyr.